On this week's episode of the Sensual Power Podcast, I am chatting with infertility and IVF support coach Michelle Streeter. We're talking all about what it looks like to approach infertility and IVF treatments from a more empowered and aligned place where you are advocating for what feels good to you and taking this journey in a way that actually brings a lot of pleasure in, which is not something we ever really hear about. Even if you're somebody that is not looking into infertility and IVF treatment, this episode is powerful. We are discussing what it looks like to advocate for yourself from an empowered, aligned place with your reproductive health care. And there's a lot of wonderful life lessons based on Michelle's own journey and that of her clients on just living life from a more empowered, aligned, and pleasurable place. So stay tuned, share this bookmark it and check out Michelle's links in the description. Welcome to the Sensual Power Podcast. This is a podcast for women, AFAP people, and anyone looking to learn more about generational trauma, childhood trauma, narcissistic abuse, sacred sexuality, and healing any wounds around money, sex, relationships, self, and doing expansion work with that. Everything that I'm talking about is based on my own experiences of healing and the work that I do with my clients. Keep in mind, though, I am a cis white woman, so the views that I express do come with a sense of privilege. And if harm is done, I am always willing to repair harm. So please reach out if that happens. Otherwise, stay tuned and listen to your next episode right now. Welcome back, my Sensual Power podcast listeners. As you heard from the intro, I have Michelle Streeter on here. We are talking all about empowered infertility, IVF treatment, and all of the goodness. So Michelle, hello. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you, even though as we talked about prior to this, I am sweating my ass off, but here we are. Sensual sweating. <laughs> it is sensual sweating. That's what we're going to call it from now on. So first of all, given everything that is happening in our current world right now, I feel like there are <laughs> some really big discussions happening about fertility and reproduction. And we're even starting to see some talks about like all of what's going on is going to have some other effects. So I feel like mm-hmm. this is a perfect time to talk about what is empowered infertility and empowered IVF? What does that mean to you? Oh, such a, wow. You just came in with the zinger to start. I like it. I rolled that way. <laughs> empowered infertility and empowered IVF. Honestly, I think a lot of it for me really comes down to like the, especially the women going through this journey because, mm-hmm. you know, whoever is the one like, doing the medications, going to the treatments, right? It's usually some sort of person with a uterus, right? (laughs) Um, Regardless of what the dynamic of the relationship looks like. Um, And so for the sake of this conversation, we'll talk about women, but identifying all with uteri here. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's really about being able to like come home to yourself and remember that at the end of the day, like, you know, what is best for you. And it's safe to trust that. I think there is so much about infertility 
fertility treatments that feels disempowering or mm-hmm. kind of leaves us searching for the answer outside of ourselves. And while like, I'm a big believer of like science and I think it's amazing and I'm so grateful for it because it's literally what's allowed me to grow my own family. Right. And also like, I think it's really important to trust that we know, like, this is the right path for me. This is not the right path for me. This is the right choice for me. This is not the right choice for me. And right being for you, not like in the grand scheme right. of like, Oh, holy being coming down from up high being like, this is it. Cause yeah. that's what's not going to happen. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's very much that like coming home to oneself, trusting oneself and really just leaning into that. Like you are the authority of you at the end of the day and everything else gets to be like synthesizing and support and information, but then you're the decider. Yeah. I, uh, I love already just what you said there, because I like you, like I am all a fan of science for many people and including people that are in my life and very close to me, science has allowed them to have a child, right? Where otherwise it wasn't happening. But what I have noticed a lot of, and, and it sounds like a lot of your work is really going against that is, you know, it's a beautiful thing to have IVF treatments and all of the technology that gets us there. But there's also an element within that process where I feel like everybody that I know of that's gone through it, there's this, something's wrong with me. Uh And that's the overall message. Something's wrong with me and this will fix it versus saying like, there is a challenge with my body. Here are options. What does, what feels good to you? Oh my gosh. Yes. 100% literally speak to this all the time because I have so many clients that come to me and they're like, I'm broken or I'm too crazy. Mm-hmm. Or like, my story is just like, so unique that like, I don't know that like, you're going to be able to support me because like, I'm just so off the charts and right. just reminding people that like, you're not broken. And also you get to create a better experience for yourself. And if it's through fertility treatments, great. If it's not great, like you get to decide what that looks like for you. But I do think there's so much narrative around like my body yeah. is failing me. Something's wrong. I need fixing. And that's again, where we start to outsource our power, right? Because right. somebody else must have the answer to fix what is broken. And it's like, maybe you just work different and that's okay too. Right. Yeah. And, and that, I feel like for so many people when they're on that road to, okay, so we've tried the quote unquote old fashioned way, which I'm saying in air quotes, because like, you know, what is that? Um, (laughs) we've tried that it's not working. I keep getting all these tests. They don't know exactly what's wrong with me. Or maybe we have, you know, my, my husband's sperm count or my partner's sperm count is low or, or my eggs are bad or like whatever, you know, whatever. Or my partner does not have sperm. (laughs) Right. Or my partner does not have sperm. Right. Which is an equation that gets left out of this is like the only reason for IVF is not just something is wrong. Sometimes it's like, well, this is the option. Like Mm -hmm. this is what, this what's going to work. So yeah, I really love this idea of sitting with somebody and saying, there's nothing wrong with you. You just mm-hmm. might need to figure out your way on this journey. Totally. Totally. And I can't tell you how much this conversation's not happening because yeah. I'm frequently the human who sits in front of someone and they're like, 
everybody else told me I was supposed to do it this way. Yeah. And I'm like, great, but what do you want to do? Right. <laughs> do that. And they're like, I'm allowed to do this. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can you take all the recommendations and of course, like, you know, having information is a beautiful thing, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've ever heard in this process of having somebody say, well, what do you want to do? What, mm -hmm. what would feel good to you on this? Because I feel like what happens, and I'm sure you've seen this many times with clients is they do what's recommended uh -huh. and stress themselves out over and over and over again until there's this burnout point, right? Mm -hmm. Or this, like, I'm ready to give up because this is just, I can't take this anymore. And like, to me, like getting pregnant should not feel that stressful. No, it shouldn't. And like, it's not to say that it, it can't be stressful or that it right. can't be hard. Right. But like, it's just another way that kind of like our patriarchal, like hustle culture mm -hmm. creeps in. Right. Because if I just like effort harder, hustle more, do more then I'm going to get the result that I like right. desire. Right. And it's like, that's one way to do it. But like, what if there's like a easier, better feeling way that does not involve having to like totally sacrifice yourself for the cause. And I think that's where I see so many women end up in this kind of like emotional turmoil with this process, because it sort of feels like if I don't sacrifice myself, if I don't put everything on the line, mm -hmm. there's like this deservingness and worthiness that's tied to that of like, have I really tried hard enough? Like, am I worthy now of being a mother. And so like being able to like unravel that with my clients is like so freeing. Cause it's like, no, we already are worthy and deserving period. Yeah. We have nothing to prove. And if that was already true, then how would we want to show up in this process? You, like you can keep efforting if that's what feels good to you ultimately. Right. But like, you don't have to do it that way. Yeah. And all that just makes me think of is like the, the inevitable post that you'll see when somebody finally does get pregnant and notice to anybody for doing this because again it, it is a very conditioned part of our culture but it's like I went through two years of this struggle and I did all of this and now look I've been rewarded with this child and it's like why are why is that the thing like what what if it's I made a decision for myself and my body and did it in a way that felt good and yeah of course everything comes with stress but like because I chose I have a child mm -hmm. yeah and like we get to celebrate ourselves and each other mm -hmm. every step of the way and I've had that conversation with so many folks too of like you know we only celebrate the big milestones and when you're you're trying to right. grow your family and you're trying to have a baby there's like nothing to celebrate. It feels like there's nothing to celebrate or like people don't know where to celebrate you. And then people are like, it's weird because they're celebrating me for doing IVF, but I don't even know if that's a celebration. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Um, and, and like encouraging folks to even take ownership too, of like, great. If there's something you want to be celebrated, like I told a gal recently, like, if there's something you want to be celebrated for, like invite some girlfriends to come celebrate with yeah. you and just celebrate, like <laughs> celebrate yourself, start right. there. Right. Um, like you get to do that. And, and like, I think that that's not something that we think about. And again, you don't have to do that, but like, right. You also get to do that if you want to. 
Yeah, you can make it whatever you want. I love this. So I'm curious for you, like, because obviously like you're getting clients that have most likely been through the shit end of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. the first? <laughs> I don't know a better way to say it. <laughs> yes, they're not the ones that are like, I miraculously got pregnant. And also now I want your support. Right. No, you're, you're dealing with the people that are probably, again, um, maybe a partner doesn't produce sperm. Maybe this is somebody that also is, is at the point in their life where I'm like, well, I I'm not in a relationship or anything, but I want a fucking kid or, mm-hmm. or again, maybe they are struggling with it. Right. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Where does the journey start with you on that? Because again, we do not hear about empowered IVF or fertility work or anything like that. So where, what does that look like for those people that are like, please help? Yeah, honestly, this is going to sound so cliche, but the journey starts where whenever they're ready. Yeah. Right. Like whenever you hit that point where you're like, I know that it's time to do things differently because I don't want to keep going down this path that I'm currently on. That's when the journey gets to start because there's a willingness to change. And a lot of times, you know, when my clients come to me, they're like, I know that I want to change something because Mm -hmm. this isn't working for me anymore, but I don't know what that thing is or like how to get out of my own patterns or this kind of spiral that I'm in. And I need someone to be able to like help pull me out of it kind of thing. And a lot of times it is because they're coming to me and they're like, I feel really broken. I feel crazy. I feel alone. And they're like, there's something about your corner of the world that like inspires hope and joy. And I'm like, am I allowed to have that? (laughs) Like, is that allowed to be me? And one of the things that I find is so many of my clients, like, and I did this in the beginning of my process of trying to grow my family too. Like when things started to get hard, I only leaned into the hard because I felt like I wasn't allowed to feel good or feel good things because like, then again, like I wasn't trying hard enough or I didn't care enough. So like I had to suffer for the cause. And then I realized like, I don't have to suffer for the cause. Like I get to feel the hard things and hold the hard emotions and hold the grief and disappointment and all of that. And also I can invite in the joy and the happiness. And for me, that's like, you know, if you're sitting on like a cold, hard floor and that's the grief and the disappointment and the sadness, you get to like have a cozy blanket and you get to have like a pillow. And that's what like the good feelings that we create for ourselves are. And so the two things get to coexist simultaneously. Yeah. uh, Oh, that's so true. Cause I feel like so many of us, we're just laying on the hard floor thinking like, well, this is all there is. And there's literally a pile of blankets and pillows. Like you could grab one. Absolutely. You don't have to be cold on the floor. You can be warm and cozy on the floor and you can like pat it up and make it feel nice. And like, it's still a cold, hard floor, but now it's like a little comfier, you know? Yeah. I am curious because you've already hit it on this. Like your work also involves having your own experiences with growing your family. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear a little bit more about your experiences and then we'll kind of dive into like what, what do you do with your clients when they finally have made that decision? Because again, this is a completely different way than most people have been told that it, the experience of dealing with infertility and IVF is going to look like. Totally, totally. So in terms of my own experience with it, um, you know, I, like I, 
kind of bought into the societal narrative of Mm -hmm. like one day we're going to decide to grow our family and uh, we're just going to have a lot of sex and it's going to be so fun. And then we're going to get pregnant. We're going to surprise everyone and it's going to be glorious. Right. Right. Um, and it'll just be like happy ever after. And also it'll happen right away because right when we're growing up as women, we're told if you have sex once, you're going to get pregnant. Nobody like explains the nuances of like, (laughs) yo, there's a very small window each month. And this is assuming that like our bodies are operating like this kind of textbook format and all of this, right. Didn't know any of that. I was like, no, you have sex, you get pregnant. That's what happens. I also grew well, up So there was, right. <laughs> there was like this whole, there's this whole religious layer too of like, we don't have sex until we get married. Right. And then when we get married, we have sex for God and he grants us children and all the things. So anyways. Yes. The big <laughs> like powerful all the short comes down and you know, it's right. just, it's all magic. All magic. <laughs> right. Right. And if God doesn't give you kids, then like, maybe it's just not meant to be and God doesn't right. want that for you. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, no. Like if the desires on our heart, I fully believe that like some greater right. creator, whatever that is that you believe wants, whatever wants you to have, whatever it is that you want. Yes. So anyways, so we, we started doing the sex thing and it, we got to a point where I was like questioning myself basically. And I was like, maybe we're just like messing this up, right? It's that, it's that something is broken. We're messing this up. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, you know, avoidance is one of my favorite, uh, things to do when something doesn't feel right. And so I just started like avoiding the things. And my husband actually was the one that kind of took things into his own hands and went and got over the counter test and kind of initiated treat like testing and treatments and all of that. And that's how we got our first diagnosis of male factor infertility. Um, and he literally came home one day, like handed me a card and was like, call this doctor and like get tested. (laughs) And I was like, what? Like what's happening? Um, and that was a really like scary, shocking moment too, because it required me to like face this like la 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 la, like yeah. everything's fine, whatever. Um, and it wasn't fine, right? Like we could have kept trying for quite some time, and who knows, maybe we would have had success. And also, maybe years would go right. by before I finally came out of my denial state. Um, or I basically started like hitting my head against the wall going, I can't do this anymore, which is yeah. you know, typically where <laughs> when my clients right. come to me, that's where they are. <laughs> right. Um, and so we started our fertility like testing. And at that point we basically got diagnosed with male factors solely. And because of our numbers recommended that we go the IVF path. And I'll say we did one or two IUIs first. Um, and so by the time IVF came on the table, I felt very ready to go down that. And I share that yeah. because like, I have folks who come to me who don't feel ready to do IVF and they're kind of like, well, do I have to? And I'm like, no, you don't like just because I did it or I felt like that was right for me or what I talk about it. Like, doesn't mean that that's the right path for you. So we did IVF and we ended up getting one normal embryo from that process, which is great. And also not that much. Right. Right. And put all of our eggs literally in that one basket. (laughs) Um, yeah. And, uh, that, transfer ended up working. And that's how we ended up with our four, now four-year-old daughter. Aww. Our second chapter of trying looked very different, <laughs> right? <laughs> and this is the craziest part about trying to grow your family, whether it's through fertility treatments or not. Like, you know, there's a lot of women that come into the space that I work with who got pregnant pretty easily, whether it was with their current partner, or maybe Mm -hmm. they were married previously and then got divorced or whatever. And then all of a sudden they like, can't get pregnant or they keep having miscarriage after miscarriage. And they're like, what is, what is this? You know, 
And so there's like shock that comes at any point when our expectations do not meet our reality. So we went into the second cycle thinking, okay, we're going to get embryos. And we had a good outcome the first time we have only a male factor in fertility diagnosis. Like that's a pretty good prognosis with IVF. Right. Um, and so we got two embryos from our second IVF cycle, which was so exciting. I was like, oh, twice the like chances. And so in my head, I was like, perfect. Like, these are our final two kids. We're done. Yeah. Uh, no girl, that ain't how it went down. Of course um, it didn't. <laughs> Of course, of course it didn't. Of course it didn't. Um, and so we, and, and the funny thing is like, we had our first transfer. It took, everything was looking great. Um, I was pregnant again. And I just remember in the back of my mind being like, it's, it's not supposed to be this easy. Right. Right. And this is like such an interesting way that we like screw with ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking into the OB clinic for my first OB appointment. Cause at one point you graduate from your fertility clinic and then you move to the OB and she walked in and it was the same doctor that had delivered my daughter. And I was like, it just feels so crazy that it just like worked out this like, well, you know, cause right. on, if you go on the internet and the infertility community, you read all sorts of horror stories. Yes. So <laughs> And it's not, you know, it's not like it's very well balanced with all the success stories because the people with the success stories aren't necessarily like posting, right? They're, con- they're like they're not constantly gone. posting this. <laughs> they like post once and then they're gone, right? Yeah. Um, and that's the day that we found out that there was no heartbeat anymore, mm. and that was our first miscarriage. Yeah. Um, and to say I was devastated was an understatement, <laughs> right? Like, yeah it was a really, really hard period. And also like, gosh, there's like, I've just had so much time to like reflect on like death and grief. And like, it's just such a like incredible teacher in so many ways. And it's, Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that like none of those experiences are necessary for us to like learn these lessons or do these things, but there's always something to be learned from these hard seasons and chapters. And that's how I personally make meaning of things. Again, invitation to not do it that way and just be like, this sucks, (laughs) right? Like period. Um, And that kind of started us down this path of multiple losses. Like we ended up having two more chemical pregnancies um, with our IVF cycles. We ended up having to do a third IVF cycle. We did a reoccurring loss panel, which showed that like we might have a blood clotting disorder. And so Mm. I started like seeing a hematologist and getting treated for that. And I was like, man, I didn't know I could go from like everything looking fine to like something being suddenly wrong. Right what is this? Right. Um, and so there was just a lot of like disappointment and heartbreak that made each subsequent transfer scarier and starting another IVF cycle terrifying because what if we got more embryos and all of those just ended in loss too. Um, and so, yeah. And then we got to a point where I, there was kind of like an interesting combo of things. So one, there was like a surgery that my husband could do to potentially help with his like sperm count and numbers. And after our first, uh, miscarriage, I was like, I want you to go get the surgery. Like, I don't know if it's going to change anything, but I just like want you to go get the surgery. And I think, and before it hadn't like, I say made sense, but like, I put that in air quotes because nothing necessarily has to make sense. Right. Right. But I didn't feel that same pull for him to go do that. And then this felt really strong at this point. So I was like, great, go do this thing. 
Yeah. And I share this because I think there's so many different factors and combinations. And a lot of the women that I work with are like, what is the right combo? How do I get this right? And it's like, no, 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 there's no, like, there's literally no right Right. path here. It's just like following what feels right. And so in that moment, it felt right to ask him, can you go get the surgery as part of this process? And at the time, I also felt really called to switch up our protocol. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with IVF, but there's sort of like mm-hmm. a medicated cycle right. and then the natural cycles. And we had been doing medicated cycles because that's what got us our daughter. And then it felt like way too much after our first loss because yeah. I had been on shots and medication up until that point and for like months, basically. And I was like, I can't do this again. Like, yeah. we just need to go with my body and see what happens there. And then after two losses with medic or natural cycles, I was like, okay, I am willing to go back to the medicated cycle. I'm willing to do the hard, scary thing. I'm willing to just like put it all out there. And like, this is my Hail Mary moment and just see (laughs) what happens. Right. And that was our fourth transfer of this like chapter, if you will. Yeah. Um, And it ended up working. And at that point, we were talking to our clinic about potential surrogates that we could use. We were talking yeah. about venturing into the land of like reproductive immunology, which is like a very under-researched space, but like has given hope to some couples and families. And, you know, and again, every every time the information was presented to me, it was about feeling into what feels like the right next step for right. me here. And if anyone takes anything away from this conversation, that's what I want you to like lean into too. And this yeah. can be like for infertility or fertility treatments, right? Or it can right. be literally any part of life literally where there's no anything. like the right answer, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, what is the right next step? You don't have to even have the whole big picture figured mm-hmm. out because the truth is like, none of us know what's gonna happen here. And all the while- I really leaned into support through that season and also making sure that like my mindset was in as good of a place as it could be while still giving myself to acknowledge the range of feelings and emotions, the disappointment, the grief, and also recognizing there were some really beautiful stretches of life in between those moments too. So like these losses were uh, like months apart um, each time. And so there was a lot of life to be lived in in the in-between too. Yeah. Uh, it, it listening to that, like, there's so much to take away from that because again, one, I've, I've had friends that have been where you've been at. The one thing though, that I listening to this and just really thinking from this empowered perspective, you know, I've, every one of my friends that's been through IVF or infertility treatments or whatever has had the, oh, there's going to be a point where it's like, you're ready to give up and just something happens. And I feel like what sometimes that does is, is one, it's not explaining what's really going on, but it's also, there's this like false sense of like hope. And it's not about like not having hope, but it's like the, oh, don't worry as hard when it gets harder and harder and harder, it'll just work out. Like, and that's just making people Mm -hmm. like lean again into the hard and it's not that you can't but like it's it's that martyrdom that comes with it and the reality is and you know this is with anything in life like I do generational trauma healing with my people which plays into a lot of stuff but there's this idea that when we start 
instead of coming at things from this, like there's only one right way into the, what are the ways you find the solution, but we don't get told to do that, especially, you know, in reproductive care from the get-go. It's all like, well, this is the path and this is it. So then you have situations like yours where it's like, okay, well, this worked the first time. Well, this is a whole different pregnancy or, you know, attempt at pregnancy, right? Who knows what that's going to look like? I mean, even, even if you don't need help getting pregnant or don't need support with that, your pregnancies look different. <laughs> they just totally. do. Right. Totally. And it's interesting when we think like my body didn't change over these couple of years and not like change, like something must be wrong with it now right. because I'm older. Right. But like we expect to grow and evolve as humans. Right. So why right. wouldn't our bodies do the same or our partners or like anything, right? Like not, we don't expect anything to stay stagnant, but yet we do like we do and we don't. Right. 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 And it's just, it's so weird. Cause it's again, it's like, yes, I've seen many cases and I've, I've had friends have that moment where it's like, nothing seemed to work, but what was really going on is they were like, I'll try anything. I will open myself to anything and something happened. So there was the right path forward and that's what worked, but they don't get, you don't get told to do that from the get go. Yeah. And I think too, like at the end of the day, it really is about choosing the right path for Mm -hmm. you, right? Like there's no universal right path. So like, I think, I think about some of my clients who either haven't had success in terms of having a baby, um, or like have had a baby now, but like in some of them continued, like, you know, they finished one cycle, it didn't work. And then they moved on right to the next. Right. And then there were others where that just didn't feel right. And so even though they had like embryos available, they took a break or, and then maybe they came back or maybe they didn't. And they like literally focused on living their life instead. And so the cool thing there too, is like, it's possible to live a really beautiful life, even if you don't have the outcome that you desire yet Mm -hmm. or ever. Right. Um, And then I also have clients who like have just continued to like, continue to seek answers and look for treatment. And I think at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is like, why are you doing this? Right. Right. Like, is this you aligned and listening to your own truth or are you doing it because that's what you think you should do? Cause I also have folks yeah. who come to me and they're like, my doctor wants to move forward with another transfer after my loss. I'm like, I just don't feel ready. And it's like, great. Then then don't, but there's like right. a lot of pressure around this like timeline of like, well, but I, I should have a kid by now, or I need to give so-and-so mm-hmm. a sibling. And so, and it's like being able to like unravel that and be like, okay, like, let's take that out. Like, what do you right. actually want to do here? And can you trust that that is right for you? And then I also have women come to me who are like, my doctor says like, I have a 1% chance of this working, but like, I'm not ready to give up yet. And it's like, great. Then just keep doing it until you feel ready to walk away for something different. Like that's okay too. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it has to be your choice. And I like with that too, there's, there's so much patriarchal conditioning of, of like putting the timeline or thing. I will never forget. Um, because I'm in my forties now and I, a friend of mine, um, she didn't get pregnant until 38 and was considered a geriatric pregnancy. I was like, what, Mm -hmm. what? 
So it's like the the timeline pressures too there. It's like, you know, that that shit is not really as big of a deal as you think, right? <laughs> you don't have to push yourself to keep going if you need a break or if you're uh-huh. like, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I also have women who come to me too who are like, you know, trying in their later 30s or early 40s and they're like, I wish I had started sooner. And they're like beating themselves up for this. And I say, this was yeah. so much love. Cause I think this is so normal for us to like, look back and, and go, well, how, how did I screw this up? How can I blame myself right. for this process? And I even blamed myself for our like infertility struggle when our diagnosis was literally just with my husband. I was like, right. I must've spited God at some point and he's punishing me. And like, clearly this is my fault. Like we're just, we're very good. We're very good at blaming ourselves. We're so good at it. You, you enjoyed sex too much. And God said, no, no, no. (laughs) Right. Right. I was like, I didn't go to church and mom was right. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because like, then you look back and you're like, but I wasn't actually ready to try to have right. kids. And it, it wouldn't have made any sense for me to like try sooner just to meet some timeline. Like, cause I would have been miserable <laughs> and I wouldn't have been ready to receive these tiny humans into my life and really show up for them and love on them the way they deserved. Right. Like, cause I was right. still trying to figure out my own ish. And so being able to recognize like honor the timing mm-hmm. of things, it's okay. If you look back and you're like, man, I wish I had yeah. done things a little differently. And also I, I really do think that like, there is some sort of like divine timing that happens right. with these things, but that's not to say like that this had to happen this way, if that right. makes sense too. Right. We, I mean, I totally agree with you. Cause again, we, it's not like we need to experience traumas in our life or experience hardship. Like that, that to me is bullshit when people are like, well, you just attracted that and you, you need to have that. No, you don't need to have that. For some and it will reason, probably happen anyways. By the way. It's going to happen <laughs> anyways. Because we signed up for a human experience. Exactly. Awesome. Life is going to life. It's going to do its thing. But this, this is so true for even like with anything, you know, again, I do generational trauma healing. And I remember myself, there was a point where I was like, especially like when my daughter was young and I still have, I was not the parent that I wanted to be because I still had my own shit. And there was this moment where it's like, I got very mad at myself. I'm like, why didn't I go and get help to deal with these things prior? Mm. And I have clients do the same thing. There's a moment where it's like, they're starting to recognize patterns or starting to do the work on themselves and, and really come home to themselves more. And there's that inevitable moment of why didn't I deal with this sooner? My life could have been so much better. And the answer is because you weren't ready. Okay. And it's okay. It's okay. And while you didn't need to suffer, you never deserved to suffer. You just weren't ready and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. And I think that's one of the ways that our minds like play this trick of like, well, it would have turned out differently. Like I remember having this conversation with a client whose mom passed away when she was young. And she was like, well, if my mom was here, like this would be a lot easier. And we got to explore, like, 
how do we know that that's true? And also right. what would your mom say to you? And there was this beautiful kind of cathartic release where she got to invite her mom into this journey, even though she wasn't physically right. present with her anymore. Um, Cause again, her brain was like, well, that she can only be here to comfort right. me if she's physically here, but it's like, no, let's like call her in. Let's invite her into this process and pull that wisdom that's available to you yeah. there. And yeah, I just, it's, it's, that's one of the things that I think is so valuable too about support in any chapter or season of our life, especially the hard ones, because right. our brains tend to fall back into those patterns and stories yep. and really close off these possibilities that you were talking about. They give us the opportunity to see all of our different options, all the different mm -hmm. paths and take that next step that then opens. It's like a giant web, right? It's like yeah. one step and then more paths open and another step and more paths open. And I don't exactly. know the visual of that just feels really exciting, but right it's the, like more we get kind of in our heads and out of our bodies. And the more we come into grief and disappointment and kind of like that disconnect, the more we lose that like opportunity. Right. And, you know, again, our society kind of just sets us up to do that because, totally. you know, especially if you live where we live, which is in the U S that where that religious conditioning and all of the patriarchal stuff man they go hand in hand and they're like mm -hmm. you are meant to suffer you are meant to and it's like well who fucking said that totally <laughs> who decided that totally yeah and like I you know I mentioned earlier like I grew up Catholic and there have been a lot of things that I've really enjoyed about my Catholic upbringing in terms of like the community and the values and all of those pieces and also I'm constantly reminded that it's still a man created mm -hmm. institution, right? Like right. I constantly like, wait, so why are male priests the only ones that can communicate directly with God? Like I don't right. like, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't women have that ability? Like, I, I don't, I don't quite understand this. They're like, why do we believe that like right. matrimony is only between a man and a woman, but all of God's children were created in his image. So like, we what? Like I, there's right. just those pieces where you're like, okay, I can love this institution. I can love these pieces. And also I can recognize that it has the same human flaws that we all have inherently exactly. when we signed up for a human experience. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Especially like, uh, and of know, course, I'm a total heathen for saying all of those things right, and bringing people towards the devil because you can't fine. be religious and also question. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm God waiting forbid. for the zealots to find my podcast and be like, you're going to hell. I'm like, good. I'll, I'll have fun while I'm there. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I just want to be like, and I'm also part of the chosen people by your standards. So come at me, <laughs> come at me, bro. Come at me. <laughs> um, but no, like it just, I, you know, and it, you talked about bringing somebody's grandmother in, which is so beautiful and, and being a little witchy and woo woo myself. I, I always found the idea, like, so you're going to tell me that men are the only people that can connect to the divine yet a woman had a divine pregnancy <laughs> who was seen as a goddess, but nope, she got nothing. <laughs> nope she got nothing because man said so yeah I don't I don't know there's just there's pieces of it that I'm like this doesn't make any sense to me and I like don't even need like you know I don't even need things to, like make yeah. sense but in my soul I'm like something is off here 
like the math is not mathing on this the one. math the math is lo- not mathing and I love math I studied math in college it was the best and so that's the other thing I love that like you can combine the like really practical with the like really woo and spiritual and it gets to be all of it yeah it all gets to connect together it's not separate I love that so going further into that you know, you've already mentioned like bringing somebody's grandmother in or mother into a process mm-hmm. and things like that. I'm curious, like, what does your process look like with people? Like once they have made that decision, because you know, your own experience, you know, totally. what you needed, what you went through, what does it look like when people are working with you to get to their goals, whatever they may be? Yeah. Um, it's so funny because like, you know, we, I talked about bringing this person's mother into the process. That's not a thing that we do with all my clients, right? right? Like, like that was like, it's my work with clients is very intuition led. Um, I'm also a Pisces son. So there's just like (laughs) deep, deep intuition there to begin with. Um, and one of my, like, I think big strengths is like a human and a coach now is like, I very much tailor and personalize the experience mm-hmm. to the human sitting in front of me. Like I, my job is to help you feel seen and to be able to like reflect back what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing and to help you trap into your truth at the end of the day. And yeah. it's funny because before I even got into coaching, I worked in higher education for 10 years and I worked with college students and I I advise them on like leadership development and organizational development and event planning, which are all like in some ways, very practical things. Right. But a lot of the work that I did was like self-empowerment, like bringing them home, helping them find the answers and being able to like create their own processes so that when they made events, it wasn't, well, Michelle said to do X, Y, and Z, but they really got to build it from start to finish to build that self-trust of like, I can do this. And I do the exact same thing with my clients. So there's like, I think a series of like topics that we frequently touch on, um, everything from like, you know, managing our mindset, navigating all the, like, what if fears we do a lot of like healing work around forgiveness and like letting go of those things that we're still holding on to that's Mm -hmm. no longer serving us. We talk a lot about like boundaries and the roles that we play in relationships and like opening ourselves up to receiving and, allowing ourselves to celebrate and feel good in this process and giving ourselves permission to do that. Right. But the way that that manifests with each client tends to look a little different depending on the flavor of the client and how they receive information. Like I'm very intuitive in terms of like this human needs a more practical approach, even though I'm still going to ask them the hard questions. And this human's going to be real open to like the woo witchy shit. (laughs) We're about to to venture down the rabbit hole, right? Or the parts where I'm going to be like, put your hand on your chest and let's just like breathe together and cry. Like, I think, yeah, it just, it gets to look different. And I think too, again, like permission for it to be all of it and to bring all of you into whatever spaces that you're in. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, that is very much my own process as a coach too. And I find that when you do that, like, it's funny, I've told clients this, like, and and there's like this moment at the beginning where they're like, wait, what? But I'm like, no, trust me, this is, this is what you need. It may not be what you think you want, but it's what you need of, I want you to not need me at some point. 
Mm -hmm. I'm here Ah, now to hold your hand through the hard part because we need support and we get to have support and that's the beauty of it. But like, I want to help you co-create your journey and what's right for you so that eventually there's a point where it's like, well, I don't need Valerie anymore or Michelle helped me. I know how I want to handle this next pregnancy or, or, you know, journey in my life. Like, I got it. Yes. Yes. I'm like nodding my head furiously over here because I have that exact same conversations with my clients. I'm like, you're allowed to stay with me beyond our like three to four month container or whatever, whatever kind of time we've put on our thing because you just want to, and it feels good. And I've had clients who are like, let's start with a month. And then they add another month and I celebrate them when they come back and they're like, I'm coming because this just feels good. Not because I feel like I like need it, you know, like, like again, that brokenness versus like, I just want to create a better experience for myself. Um, but yes. So like empowering the human to be able to like fly the coop and not have this like codependent forever relationship, because then like, there's not true empowerment there. Right. You're, you're not actually doing what you say you're doing then. And then Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, that was just a racket. Right. And it's not that you don't get anything out of it, but, it, but again, it really is about like, okay, if you're going to continue to work with me, maybe it's just because I'm a source of regular support to you and that's great for you. And that uh-huh. makes your life a little bit totally. easier. Cause you know, you've got somebody in your corner. Wonderful. I will be that, but like, we don't need to work on healing and, and, you know, stuff forever. <laughs> you're not you're not yeah, broken totally so, yeah yeah and I even bring that into my own like when I'm you know when I'm entering a coaching container for myself right like why am I doing this thing is it because I think somebody has an answer outside of me or am I doing it because it feels right. good or I want to explore this or there's an edge there that I want to play into right and that's very different from I'm broken this human has all the answers right must go with them. Right. And that's just a very dangerous rabbit hole and so important to be discerning there. Right. And again, trust ourselves, right? Like, like you can do this on your own and also you get to have support if you desire it. Yeah. I love that. But before we wrap things up, Michelle, I always like to ask any of my guests, if you have one tip, one piece of advice, one practice, anything that you want to leave people with, that will help them on their journey? Mm. I know that's a loaded. (laughs) It is. Well, and I'm just trying to feel into like, what's that thing that I'm like feeling called to share right now? So something that's been coming up as a, a lot as like a theme this week has been allowing ourselves to receive support. Um, I have a lot of clients who come to me and they're kind of like at their wits end. And it's because they've grown up as like strong, independent women. You don't ask for support. That's a sign of weakness or like you're a burden if you're asking for help. Um, and like, that's a whole like other thing, right. With like the patriarchy that sort of like separates us, but there's a flip side to that that the universe sort of revealed through like, (laughs) we had someone come clean our house yesterday and my husband was downstairs. Like, yeah, I made the mistake of doing this while he was home. (laughs) 
which is like problem number one. Um, but he was like furiously downstairs, like vacuuming our couch of dog hair. And I was like, Hey, like, you're welcome to keep doing this if that makes you feel good. But also you don't have to, because I literally asked them to vacuum the couch right. because of the dog hair. Right. And like, we're, we're paying them to do this service for us. Right. Like, like we get yes. to now receive it. And it's so funny because, and then I like did a story poll with my community and I was like, what do you do when someone comes to clean your house? Like, are you cleaning? Are you doing something else? Are you allowing yourself to relax? And I totally get it because like the first couple of times that someone came to clean our house and I was home, I was like, must be working or must be cleaning too, because otherwise, and there's just such a beautiful lesson there and like receiving Yes. And allowing ourselves to receive. And so the like Mm -hmm. practice that I want to share is this idea of like, where in your life are you inviting in support, but then resistant Mm. to receiving and can you allow yourself to receive there? And obviously this is so invaluable in our infertility journeys, but it shows up in these like small ways in our life. Yeah. And, and like, I have had this conversation with clients where they were like, my partner constantly offers to like cook dinner for the kids, but like he, he doesn't do it right. <laughs> I like whatever, but then I'm right. so stressed because I have to do it. I'm like, just let him make the chicken nuggets, let right. them be cold or hard or whatever's going to happen to them. Your kid's not going to die. We're all going to be good here right. and just see how that feels. And so that's the practice. And that's the thing that I want to invite your folks into is just like, where's your receiving edge and how can you play with that a little bit? Like, is it in saying yes to a partner when they offer to help you with something? Is it in not cleaning for five minutes when someone comes to help clean your house, (laughs) right? Like whatever, whatever that is it like in letting a friend be the space that you vent without feeling like you have to reciprocate in that moment. Right. Yeah. And so just being able to play in that, I think that's a really good practice to expand our capacity for not just like getting support, but receiving support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, it, that so plays into journeys of infertility and treatment, but like everything I've had a few clients that have like prior to hiring me, like we, we did a call and then they came back a few months later because on that call, they were like, well, I want to see if I can get into a regular meditation and practice or journaling practice before we start. So I know I can stay committed to things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can do that, but like, why? Cause like you are, (laughs) you already know that this stuff is uncomfortable and you've been trying to make yourself face it for a while, which tells me it's hard for you to do on your own. And yeah, of course it is. So wouldn't it make it easier if you had somebody that's like literally going to check in on you and be like, Hey, have you done your homework yet? That's mm-hmm. there for you. It's like you get, you get to get the help that you want and need without needing to qualify it before. Right? Like that's mm-hmm. all that reminds me, especially with the, uh, the ways that we will do something before somebody else is going to help us with it. And we're like, you, you literally just made yourself do work that you didn't mean to do. Totally. Well, and you also think about like, it's basically an investment of your time and energy, right? right? So like, even in that example, or like, I think about this a lot in the context of like working out, like mm-hmm. I could go and try to figure out a, like a workout system for my body and like mm-hmm. basically DIY it. But if I like hire someone or I follow a program or something like that, then I already have the scaffolding. So then I get to see the benefit and the results faster right. 
then if I tried to like DIY and it's not that I couldn't DIY, like I could go to the gym and like kind of guess like this is what I'm going to do and whatever. And eventually if I stuck to it, probably I would start to see results in some capacity, but I would probably get frustrated or I'd be like, I'm not seeing the result or my patterns would show up and get in the way. And then suddenly I'm like back in this like little spiral. Yep, exactly. And, and we don't need to do that to ourselves. I mean, and especially like in the, in the deeper moments of life, you know, when we're doing things that are really vulnerable, like again, like conceiving a child, right? Like that's a very vulnerable Mm -hmm. experience dealing with childhood wounding and things like that. These are vulnerable experiences. There is no reason for you to push yourself and and make yourself do more than is necessary. I mean, again, we've already talked about this. Society likes for us to do that, but we just, I think that that advice of just like, where can you learn to receive? Just let it happen. You will not die. (laughs) Totally. Well, and it makes me think of the like real, and I'm going to guess this was a TikTok audio, but you know, right. elder millennial here, not really Same. on the ticky talks, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. I had a TikTok phase during COVID. And then I was like, okay, back to Instagram. Now that we got reels. Uh, but yeah. it's, you know, the song that's like, can we skip to the good part? And it's like, yes, yes. You, you get to skip to the good part. And like the good part mm-hmm. is available now. It's not a thing right. like somewhere in the distance future, you can create good now. And I think that is so empowering and beautiful. Speaking of finding empowerment in your infertility right. journey. Yes, it, you really do. So Michelle, how can people find you and how can they work with you if they're like, damn, I've been on this journey or I'm thinking about even better yet, I'm, I'm getting ready to start this journey and I want to get ahead of it. Yes. I love my people who like, I do have those folks. I love them. I'm like, yes, you just gave yourself the gift of support. That's beautiful. Right. Um, so the best way for folks to connect with me, honestly, is to just come on over to Instagram. My account is at thriveif, T-H-R-I-V-F. It's like thrive through IVF, I love it. which always gets me so excited. <laughs> I'm like, I it's love the it. best. Uh, and my website is thrive through IVF.com. But honestly, like just come over to Instagram, send me a message, mm-hmm. feel free to create a fake account. If you are like, <laughs> I'm not ready to out myself as someone who's like part of the infertility community, you're going through fertility treatments. It's very normal in our community to do that, yeah. but send me a private message. We can connect and chat and just explore what's going to feel good for you. Right. Like at the end of the day, like let's co-create something that's going to feel supportive for you. Cause I'd rather you have support than right. not have it. Right. <laughs> so that's I the was- best way to connect. I love it. And if you're listening to this, as always, you know, these things will be in the show notes. Don't worry if you didn't get to copy it down right away or like trying to frantically rewind to go listen to that. Um, Thank you again, Michelle, for this conversation. I love the work that you're doing. Like I know when I reached out to have people on here and you told me, I was like, I need her on right now because I wish that I had known about this a few years ago or your Mm. work to send some friends there because really these things should not feel so utterly confusing and painful. And the work you're doing is absolutely amazing. 
Oh, well, thank you, Valerie. I so appreciate it. And again, everything in perfect timing, right? So right. whatever, some human is going to find this now in perfect timing, exactly. all the things, but I've so appreciated our conversation today and just love the range of all the things that we've hit on too. Yes. And so I so appreciate you for having me and inviting me and just, it's been wonderful getting to connect. Yes. Wonderful. And if you are listening to this again, go check out Michelle's links. If you know somebody that would really benefit from this type of work, please send it the, where their way because really it, it does get to be good now. It really does. Yeah. Mm -hmm.